Hello, everyone, and welcome to Capes, Cows, and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. I'm your host, Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster, sound designer, and a writer for Fresh Take Hub. And today I'm joined by both of my fellow co hosts, Dave and Tom. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, doing good. Excited to talk about things. <laughs> yeah, it's been a very, very comic action news filled day so it's uh it's gonna be a good one and the sun is shining yeah the, the craziest thing is last week like jake was like saying to me like oh we might have to have a bit of like fun discussion about like what superheroes would smoke weed because we're gonna be a bit light on news and then today happened mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. hey we might get into that a bit later because you know 420 gotta celebrate the gotta celebrate the herb what what uh, <laughs> But yeah, because I was thinking like, you know, there just hasn't been much news going on. I was I was really scraping the barrel to find like news <laughs> stories. I was like, oh, there's a clip of a new animated DC movie coming out. Let's maybe mm-hmm. talk about that. <laughs> um, but then today it was like, whoa, Marvel was just like, I'm going to give you an avalanche of news. And, uh, you know, hot off the tails of their trailers of Black Widow and Loki that we talked about last week. So Marvel... I'm not stopping. So we'll get into that in a bit. But Tom, what have you been up to this week? Uh, much the same, much the same. Uh, well, I've been enjoying the sun, taking a few walks. It was my sister's uh, birthday, so uh, I went down there and we had a nice Indian meal. Obviously, we, we kept it COVID safe. Pretty much everyone is vaccinated now, so we're all good. But yeah, it was, it was good. And yeah, just been continuing my mammoth Marvel read-through. I'm on to some more of Tana Hesse Coates' uh, Black Panther, which is uh, just sublime and uh yeah so i'm cracking on with that what about you dave yeah very similar like i've been sort of out and about seeing people more now that we can leave our houses and uh, socialize a bit outside etc as long as it's covid safe been quite busy with some work and stuff the past week so for me it's been a bit more about that kind of just easy to watch short content so i've been going through a bit more of those uh, animated sitcoms etc which i talked about before so I was going through like Futurama, um, still catching up on Solar Opposites. And I also went back to uh, Dinosaurs, which I've been looking forward to watching on Disney+. Plus. I was like so pumped for this show because that, that show is like my childhood right there. That's like so embedded in my brain. I'm just like watching like giant puppets walk around. I'm like, this is what television should be now. God damn it. We are the giant dinosaur puppets. Yeah, I, I, I spotted that on Disney Plus on my travels there the other day. And I was just like, I wonder if it still holds up the way my memory thinks it does. <laughs> it's incredibly, incredibly dark. Like it is such a dark sort of kids program. Like this, literally the second or third episode is about how they the dinosaurs have a tradition of the son-in-law throwing the mother-in-law off a cliff into a tar pit for them to die (laughs) and it's like a dinosaur yeah it's a dinosaur tradition for the family to chuck the 72 year old elder of the family into a tar pit so they can die (laughs) and the entire episode is just the grandmother like i've lived a good life it's time for me to go (laughs) it's like what is this so you're saying that some of the humor doesn't age well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know you got so much dark stuff out there these days you know it kind of in a way was ahead of its yeah, time the, the, maybe. well i mean kind of but also no <laughs> <laughs> it was the sunny in philadelphia of uh disney <laughs> back in the day 
Yeah, man, Disney and being... I don't know. Maybe they were like, yeah, you know what? Falcon and the Winter Soldiers, people are liking the dark stuff. Let's chuck dinosaurs on there now. <laughs> <laughs> well, then where We've the hell them... is my cap wolf then? All right, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> We've given them Muppets. Now it's time to level up with... <laughs> Give me Captain America as a wolf. That's what we need now. Thing is, you want you want dark stuff. I had like a random flash of the past the other day. Of ju- I just remembered the sequel to A Wizard of Oz. If either of you have seen? That. Oh yes, Return to I, Oz, yeah. the infamous. Oh, no, I don't think I've seen that. that one. Jake, you have to, man. It is. You have to watch it. Weird and <laughs> scary and dark. Dorothy. Just, oh my god, it's the most <laughs> surreal experience you'll ever have. Like, whoa. I'll never walk in a museum the same again. That's what, that's what I was Hey, Tom, though, is it good? In the spirit of 420, though, is it one of those type of films, though? I, th- I think it is definitely one of those types of films. Though part, part of me is thinking, imagine watching that film on acid. Dave, what do you think? <laughs> I think it would be scarier. Like, I, but I definitely think that that, that moose... That moose comes from a, oh, a massive trip. That, that, that comes from a trip, that does. Oh, that whole you film is a trip. You don't want to go watching uh, Wheelers, you know, after you've uh, had had a bit too much, you know, (laughs) (laughs) a bit too much to smoke, etc. God. Though, Jake, how much do you know about it? I'm just, I just curious. I I didn't even know it existed. (laughs) Okay, right. Let me just say one thing to you. Dorothy, after Wizard of Oz, shock therapy. That's, that's all you need to know. Dorothy is 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 classed as insane and given shock therapy to deal with her dreams. And then it just that, escalates from that's there. That's our open that's the opening to the film. It just gets she, darker. She's Weirder. sent to Jesus a clinic to a, I a to mental asylum. To, everyone listening, you need to watch this if you haven't. <laughs> I need to watch that shit. But yes, that definitely sounds like a I'll I'll, I'll need the herb to watch that one if it's opening with dark I'll say, Whoa! Fuck. That'll be a good uh, watch-along film, actually, like we did with uh, Jupiter... Ascending, oh, yeah. Ascending before, yeah. God, that's another film that required a lot of weed. Uh, mm. <laughs> i tell you what also does. I've been watching those Mortal Kombat films. Oh, uh, getting re- Getting ready for the new one. First time watching these, okay? I haven't watched Annihilation yet. Watch the first one, you know, the 1995 one. What a bizarre film, man. Now, I, I can totally see why it's a cult classic, I I definitely see like pockets of fandoms absolutely loving this. I believe our f- our friend Niall really really likes the first one. Like um, it's one of his uh, he's got uh, like a guilty pleasure for it. But everyone has said wait till you get to Annihilation. So I'm bracing myself for what type of shit show that's gonna be. <laughs> it just takes a certain level of sequel to when you look watch the first. Like what did you think of the visual effects in the first one? Because I thought they actually were quite impressive for the what? time. If you think, no, you Shut think up, about Dave. certain things. Dave, no, come on, some no. of it, the lightning effects were crap. I think Dave's like, been smoking uh, the that, herb. That weird, that weird lizard dog thing. That, that yeah, was that's just, crap. But again, that was hell? like, that was the time it was made. But Goru wasn't too bad. He was a bit clunky, but he was, you know, okay. The big, you know, forearm I think guy. you're a bit clunky. Was that? I swear that was more a mixture of like stop motion yeah, and like exactly, a, a yeah. guy in a suit as well. Like yeah, but what I'm saying is, just wait. You think it's bad in that <laughs> film? Weirdly, the sequel gets worse somehow. Got to double down, man. Double down. 
I gotta double down. Um, uh, one thing I also like to say is that uh, I've picked up a new book, and I recommend everyone read this book if you're a fan of The Matrix. It's called Why We Love The Matrix, uh, and it is by Kim Taylor Foster. So I, I recommend everyone pick this out if you're a fan of The Matrix, because I'm a huge fan, and I've noticed there's just really isn't many reference books or books or anything really regarding The Matrix films. So this is a great book to check out because it just basically encapsulates why, as a society, and maybe you as a fan, love these movies so much. So I really recommend people check that out because I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm going to make a note of that. Uh, right, so let's get into the news then. we got a lot to cover. Tear up page one, run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photo. So as we always do, we're going to start off with the DC News. And, you know, last week we were like, you know what, Jake, are you just pulling these names from out of the hat or something like that with, like, Helen Mirren being cast in Shazam 2 as the villain? Well, there's another name to join her as the villain, and that is Lucy Liu. She will also be joining the cast of Shazam Fury of the Gods and will be alongside Helen Mirren as the villain. Uh, She will be playing a character called Calypso, which is Helen Mirren's sister in this film. So, Tom, I go to you first. What are your thoughts on this? Much like Helen Mirren's Hespera character, this is a completely new character for this film. Nothing related to the original uh, comics. I mean, I'm just, I, I'd like, like you said, just like, are, are we pulling these names to the hat? Are the, are the casting crew at, at Shazam just like literally just pulling names out at random next week are we going to see Gary Oldman is coming in as one of the gods now like <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for Miriam Margulies to be cast in a, in a Marvel <laughs> film or something. but yeah I think uh, I'm always up for seeing Lucy Liu in anything I love Lucy Liu but yeah I just like I'm just like more shocked at like the casting they're pulling out I mean like it was kind of like if you think about it, the casting in the first film was kind of weird. I mean, just like Mark Strong is there randomly. Uh, they got Zachary Levi as as a superhero, but yeah, just to just to get Helen Mirren, I I'm interested to see how Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu will like act with each other because I'm assuming they're going to have several scenes together. Um, so that is a dynamic I am interested to see, and. I mean, I'm kind of excited because I, I I feel like Helen Mirren is probably just going to like have it up. Which I'm okay with. So then that'll probably make Lucy Liu just go, yeah, let's just have fun with it. And I might actually like enjoy this film. Whereas, like, I mean, I kind of enjoyed the first one, but I've never been a huge Shazam fan. But now with these casting announcements, I'm like, it's, I'm morbidly curious, basically, is what it is. So yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing it and to, to hearing Gary Oldman be announced next week. <laughs> that's coming uh dave what do you think it's probably more surprising for this project obviously if you had here to cast in a role which was like a predominantly asian cast then it'd make a bit more sense so it gives you an idea as to potentially how this character is going to turn out in terms of you know the the type of characters that they're going to have whether they're going to have elements of different cultures and that kind of stuff could be quite interesting but my experience with Lucy Liu is more, I usually see, see her as quite a gimmicky casting choice, especially in recent years. You know, she was like a voice in Kung Fu Panda, etc. And like a lot of those DreamWorks films do a lot of just kind of like, hey, this character, you know, this actress and this actor is this character. And you were like, 
did you really need to cast them? You know, they, they don't really say much. They don't really have anything unique about their voice, which deciphers them from like an actual voice, voice artist. And I think the, the Charlie's Angels kind of vibe has always carried with her for me. Of course, you know, she does make an impression with like Kill Bill, etc. So there is that. So I'm hoping that there's more the, the Kill Bill aspect of uh, Lucy Liu rather than what she's been more associated with in recent years because she has been just kind of out of the loop in some ways. She's more akin to that sort of early noughties late 90s sort of era but you know i'm happy for her if that means that she's gonna have like a sort of resurgence in her career and we're gonna sort of get to see her uh, as a better actress again because again she's just been in such random stuff within the past few years did you know she was actually in a animated film called michael jackson's halloween which features his monkey as an animated character i <laughs> she, did not she is she is in that so it just goes to show that uh, yes she needed this <laughs> the thing is so I, I kind of hear what you're saying but part of me is thinking like is all this like gimmicky casting and stuff down to just like her acting ability or is it down to hollywood's long-standing issue of casting asian women in anything that isn't based in asia essentially i mean like like, I, I do have to win because I've always thought Lucy Liu is, is a great actor. Like you said, she made a great impression in Kill Bill. I think she showed what she was capable of there. So I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's not so much her fault that like she, as you, because I kind of get what you're saying in terms of like her being like a quote unquote like gimmick cast. Like I did have like that initial thing of just like, oh, well, of course they cast Lucy Liu in this. But yeah, the celebrity cameo element of it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I've kind of always been impressed with her. And I, like I said, I, I don't think this is going to be... I mean, it's Shazam 2, so it's not going to be a serious film. I'm not expecting, like, a gritty, dramatic performance from her. She's just going to have fun with it. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully it does lead to a bit more of a resurgence in her career and she can actually get some uh, decent roles. And not, as you said, like, roles like being in an animated Michael Jackson Halloween <laughs> special. Yeah. Just sounds But weird. also, you know... Without going too like deep into this issue, but there is the element, especially from Kill Bill, etc., that a lot of Asian women were typecast as like the stereotypical evil Asian woman as well. So I hope they don't go down that route because I think that would be like a really bad area to take it down. I know like a lot of Asian audience members in recent years have had issues with the amount of times you have that, especially that specific young asian woman with like blue hair or a piece of color in her hair which is like evil techy you know sinister it's like please do not do that you know because this is not the this is not the image you want to keep peddling yeah well that's um a, quite a tarantino thing which he has been criticized before uh for mm. you know those sort of representations but I will say, much like you, Dave, I am a big fan of Lucy Liu's performance in the Kill Bill films, you know, as Oren Ishii. I think she's just a complete badass. So that's where I'm drawing from. If they sort of looked at that performance of what a badass she is, and it's not like a small role like you were talking about, like in Kung Fu Panda or something like that. Like they've cast her as the villain, you know, alongside Helen Mirren. So this seems like a, a considerably big role for her. And the fact that if she is going to be acting alongside Helen Mirren, you would think that an actor, esteemed actor like Helen Mirren would bring out the very best in Lucy Liu, you know, and like, you know, working so close together. So I'm excited, man. Like, they're both 
obviously very talented actresses. Uh, Lucy Liu may be less so, but the fact that she's working with Helen Mirren can definitely bring that out. And I don't think they're going to use it in like a gimmicky, slightly offensive way. I think because, you know, as society and the industry, we've sort of moved beyond that now. And also the fact that it is an Asian woman maybe representing like a Greek goddess. So it looks like they're not really, you know, focusing on making a stereotypical thing. They just cast her because they thought she was the best for this role. Yeah. And also she's opposite Zachary Levi, which they've already had like that kind of jokey, the the Shazam joke that they had in the DC fandom. Uh, so they're already kind of tongue in cheek in terms of like stars from the 80s and 90s and all that kind of stuff. So they could, she could bounce well off Zachary Levi as well because she has her her roots within very cheesy action films like Charlie's Angels, etc. Awesome. Right, so the next piece of news from DC is from the CW-verse, a.k.a. the Arrowverse. Now, we normally never really talk about this just because there's just so much going on in this universe. It's just impossible to cover it all. But this required attention because... Uh, Dominic Purcell, who plays Heatwave in the CW universe, primarily on Legends of Tomorrow, is leaving the show and apparently the whole universe. So it doesn't seem like Purcell's leaving has been entirely planned because he posted on Instagram some questionable you know, thoughts like he put, I have no interest in returning, whatever cash they throw at me on a corporate level, you know, calling out the studios for some reason. He also then... Uh, asked the fellow cast colleagues, Katie Lotz and Nick Zeno, to take care of the show's newcomers, teaching them to not expect any loyalty from the studio. He then later came out and retracted a lot of that and said, ha-ha, I was sort of joking, and oh, but I was a bit like, mm, I don't know if, if you post that type of stuff and then pull back and say it was joking, because that looks like someone at the studio or his agent was like, yo, Dominic, you can't say that, man. You, ca you just can't say that. Take it down, release a new statement, but it is what it is. Tom, you're probably more versed in the CW than either me or Dave. So what are your first thoughts on this? My first thoughts are that I'm kind of sad that Dominic is, is leaving. I always loved his take on Heatwave, even though I didn't always agree with how the CW like took like the direction that that character and Captain Cold like took. Granted, like Captain Cold did have like a really nice sort of like redemption arc and everything, but just I always felt cheated that in the Flash we never got to see a full Flash view the Rogues like season, wasted opportunity. So the fact that he's leaving now, kind of like is cementing that fact that we're never going to see that kind of like thing there. In terms of like how he's decided to leave, so. I also don't buy his, like, retraction or anything. Like, he can say it's a joke as much as he likes, but, like, the things you pointed out that he said, like, don't, ex like, t tagging, uh, like, uh, Katie Lowitz and, you know? Yeah, and telling him to, like, look after the newbies. Like, if he was jo making a joke, he would have just made a tweet, like, tagging the CW saying, fuck you, I quit, and then the next day being like, oh, I was a bit tongue-in-cheek, guys, like, I, I handed in my resignation, blah, blah, blah. Not a full rant where he has a very liberal use of the C-word, and, like, I, I would just say it, but I, I know a lot of people are offended by it, so I won't bother, uh, risk it. That's, that's the one swear word we'll leave out of this show, I think. <laughs> Too controversial, but, yeah, just... Because as well, in his, like, retraction post, he stated that um, he had, like, 
the when he left, it was with the option to come back. So I don't know what to believe right now, but I can. The other reason I kind of don't believe his retraction is just all the other stories we hear about the CW, like shows are dropping left, right, and center. There, like as soon as like Crisis was done, just everything kind of went to hell. Um, we all know the situation with like Batwoman and how poorly they handled that whole thing. Very, very poorly. Um, so am I surprised that a big star of the CW versus come out and just said, yeah, they're fucking up at like a corporate level? I can kind of like understand that because it just is a total mess over there. I think the Arrowverse died when the Arrow did, like when Crisis on Infinite Earths happens. That was what they were building up to the entire time. And then they got there and they clearly didn't have a plan beyond that. And now all they've done is just like burn bridges and piss people off. So honestly, I'm kind of happy for Dominic if he's decided to get out of there. I've always thought he's a great actor. I loved him in Prison Break. Um, So I'd like to see him in more stuff in the future, which has always been difficult for anyone who works for the CW to get any other work than for the CW is a long, long standing problem. Like we said before, Jensen Ackles had to like try to audition for Star Lord and Captain America. I'm even sure he was offered one of those roles, but he couldn't make it work with his schedule. I need to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure that he was offered like a big role in either the MCU or DC. So I think it's probably for the best that he's gone. And I think the CW should maybe cut their losses, just uh, call the CW quits, let HBO Max take it from here. Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, with you there, Tom. Like, I started watching the CW when it first premiered, and I still think, you know, Flash Season 1 is probably one of the better seasons they've ever done. Uh, And I really liked Dominic Purcell's Heat Wave. I thought his chemistry with Captain Cole was awesome, and I really did also like his transition into The Legends of Tomorrow. Soon after that, I just dipped out of the CW. It just got a bit too much for me. So I don't know what the story is like at the minute. So it is kind of sad to see one of the original members walk out after so many years playing this character. That's always, you know, a sad thing to see. But then again, a lot of the stuff and how it was handled, you know, it just further goes to show how petty and, you know, just shitty this industry can be sometimes when a lot of corporations are involved and when it's all about money and things like that. So... I don't know exactly what went on behind the scenes, but it seems like he was not too pleased about it. And, you know, calling on his fellow actors to look after the new people seems like some serious stuff went down. But then again, there's also the element of like, because actors do this, is that they make a big public thing to sort of hint to the studio, look, I want more money sort of thing. Uh, It's like a sort of like a power move in a way. So I don't know the totally ins and outs. Nobody really does with these sorts of things, but... I think it's quite serious if he's going on with a, with a, an Instagram post like that. And to then retract it and then post up a new one then, like I said, I don't believe that. I don't definitely believe his agent or some higher-ups involved got in contact with him and like, you need to take this down right now because it, 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 it could get worse. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Dave, what do you think about this whole situation? Yeah, like you said, I'm not that versed in the, the DC CW universe, but from why here... It sounds very much like a narrative that also Warner Brothers, maybe as a, obviously, even though it's the CW, it's just that entire sort of conglomerate just needs to sort out their PR system and the way that they're treating talent, especially after we have recently talked 
about Ray Fisher, etc. And like Tom said, this is specifically happening with the CW shows because like that, you know, terrible situation that happened with like Batwoman and it was really weird with Ruby Rose walking away and all of that kind of stuff. So they keep having these situations and yeah, it's just not giving them a very good image, I think, ultimately. So yeah, I'm definitely in favor of just HBO Max or taking over. I've never been a fan of them because I just find them very, very cheesy and too t- TV for my for my liking. Um, and I'm surprised that they've still managed to keep going and sort of peddling like certain storylines or certain characters. So, but yeah, maybe this will be you know one of the wake up calls. When you're getting TV shows like Falcon Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Watchmen, The Boys, the superhero TV game has. S- incredibly ups its game you can't start doing shows like cw now with that type of budget the audience expects so much more now so yeah i'm with you team hbo max let's get that gotham series let's get that peacemaker series i'm all cool with that sort of stuff Uh, and on the note as well about you know the corporate side of things i believe we spoke about this in our group chat that i think one of the worst things to ever happen to warner brothers was the merger with at&t because you know, I don't have, I've seen reports and I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of people say a lot of different things, but obviously I'm not in the system. I'm not working there. I don't know exactly what's going on. But what it, what it seems like is that this corporation who are, you know, a uh, technology company, you know, they make mobile phones and SIM cards, you know, they don't make movies, have bought Warner Brothers. And it seems like there's this, this corporate level of treating films like products to sell rather than pieces of art. And that's extremely worrying. Like, look, a lot of people had issues when Disney uh, purchased Fox and they were like, oh, monopolizing and all this. But I think actually Disney have handled that very well. You know, they've preserved a lot of the Fox library. We've got Star now. So, you know, they're introducing all the Fox catalog and stuff like that. So I think they've handled it relatively well considering. But AT&T and Warner Brothers, it doesn't look good from where I'm standing. Right, let's on to some more positive news regarding Warner Brothers, even though there's very little uh, in the last few weeks. I can't believe it's finally happening, but we're there. The cameras have started rolling on The Flash, directed by Andy Muschietti, obviously starring Ezra Miller as the lead hero. Dave, it's finally happening. (laughs) This movie <laughs> is shooting as we speak right now, and Andy Muschietti obviously uh, announced this revealing the new logo, which I thought was pretty swish, and I like that they're calling it The Flash. None of this Flashpoint nonsense. But where do you go with this, Dave? Well, I just look forward to tomorrow because we've got The Flash involved. I'm assuming that this is going to be filmed within like, and they're just going to be done. So I look forward to tomorrow's announcement in which they're like, <laughs> the credits of The Flash. <laughs> but uh, no, um, yeah, so, but but like you, I'm happy that they've got rid of the Flashpoint aspect of it. I think it's just, it's just nice, isn't it? Because you like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and then it's like Flash, Flashpoint, you know, like, what? You know, <laughs> give him his solo film, which I think is nice. I, you know, I kind of even prefer now that they're sort of like reining it in and taking out the more crossover elements. We will see how it turns out. But even, you know, I know it might be controversial to say, but if, they can't put Batman into it because there's been questions over Michael Keaton. I don't even think that would be like a terrible thing because I'm like, let the Flash kind of thrive and don't let it become a, you know, Batman meets the Flash film. So, yeah, I think that the logo looks great. It also, from that post, the Instagram post, I kind of was, I'm not sure if it was just because I literally was listening to the Speed Force 
track from Justice Zack Snyder's Ju Justice League earlier in the day. So I'm imagining maybe I had that in my head, but it sounded a bit like they were keeping with that tone of the music, the kind of saw more like techno synth kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, so, you know, I think we're going down a good route. We're sort of like keeping with that element of it, but then they're also making it its own thing. They're keeping sort of the the, the elements of the costume that we saw at DC Fandom. I think the, the logo looks great. The sort of vibe that it's given off is really great. And I'm a lot more pumped since we've had announcements like Supergirl, for example, like the cast in there. I think that that's something to me that's a lot more exciting than just an actor that we've seen in the role like you know a bunch of times kind of thing whereas i'm more excited to see these new characters and like i said from this the snyder cut you know i'm a lot more on board with uh with ezra miller from from this this dc universe now so yeah i think uh it continue continually looks impressive and looks like it's on the right track i think sometimes you do see things and you're like uh, not sure and then you see the film you're like yeah that kind of made sense now why we were always a bit shaky with it so it's always good when you see something and you've got a good feeling about it do you before i go to you tom dave are you a fan of um andy muschetti are you confident that he'll do a good job with this yeah andy muschetti it it kind of sticks to that same aspect of when they had scott derrickson on doctor strange i was always skeptical of having these horror directors come in and do superhero projects because it's you know, the same thing with James Wan, you know, like I was very skeptical when he came in to do Star Trek Beyond and then Aquaman. And I know that it's a good starting point for a lot of directors and hell, you know, somebody like one of my favorite new directors like Jordan Peele, you wouldn't want to sort of count him out because he's just a horror director. But obviously in the old days, the horror was more associated with the kind of gimmicky bad films. It's only in recent years that we've really started to get some more high quality horror. And obviously he did a good job within the first it but not many people liked it chapter two so a lot of people are sort of half and half on him with that aspect but when i look at people like scott derrickson and how he still managed to infuse his doctor strange adaptation with a lot of the typical tropes of superhero fear and somebody like sam raimi who manages to do a good balance then i'm pretty confident in that sense whereas i never want to go into it and kind of see they're like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if like this horrific moment and this dark moment happened in this film? Kind of like in Aquaman, like I found that found that trench sequence just didn't fit the film. And it was kind of like, hey, I'm a horror director. I want to put this horror bit in there. It's like, why? What does this have to do with anything? So as long as he knows the differences between the projects he's doing and he doesn't go too much in with the horror aspect, I'm fine with it. But I think more directors these days have shown that it's just that that's where they get their start in. And then they like to experiment with other genres as well. Tom? Well, firstly, I'd like to thank Dave for praising Scott Derrickson's Doctor Strange before I had to, because, I mean, well, it's no secret how much I love that film. But yeah, I'm very excited for The Flash now. I think much like Dave, I never, like before Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League, I just wasn't a fan. Like when we saw him in the weed and cut, granted, you know, that wasn't a great film to start with. I just wasn't buying him as Barry Allen I didn't like his flash I wasn't a fan of like how they were kind of doing all the super speed stuff and like his weird running and I was firmly of the opinion that if you were to like rank the the flashes from like best to worst it would be John Wesley Shipp Grant Custine and then Ezra Miller kind of joking kind of not joking John Wesley Shipp is the G um but after seeing Zack Snyder's Justice League um 
I much, 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 much preferred how they did the Flash there. I thought Ezra was actually great because he actually got a bit more screen time and a little less falling on Wonder Woman's boobs. Thanks for that, Joss Whedon. So I'm actually now proper excited to see his solo film. Before, I was only excited to see a Flash solo film because I just loved The Flash that much, but I was kind of like, ugh, but it's Ezra Miller, though. I don't know how I feel about this. Now, though, and seeing the new logo, and as Dave said, the fact that they are just calling it The Flash, nothing fancy like Flashpoint Paradox Crisis in Time, or whatever they want to call it, I'm cautiously optimistic that it'll actually turn out to be a damn good film. And... I mean, after that one sequence towards the end of Justice League where Barry has his moment to shine, that in of itself sold me on future Flash films with uh, Ezra Miller. So I say bring it on, basically. And um, yeah, just just give me some, give me all the Speed Force craziness. I don't even care if they do bring in like Michael Keaton's Batman for like a 10 second cameo. If it's due to like Barry Allen fucking with Speed Force and with time, I'm okay with it because then it's in character. So well, that's what I was gonna that's why I'm interested in is like for you, Tom, as more of a Flash fan, like to me again, in the early days of like the Justice League animated series and all that kind of stuff, I had these notions of what characters like the Flash and Green Lantern were. And then with all these shows and everything, my perception of them has completely changed. So to you, is Flash or should a Flash film be more the speedster kind of jokes the character and he's fighting characters like Captain Boomerang and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Or should it always be speed force time changing kind of stuff is, you know, we because to me, Flashpoint always originally seemed like, a, oh, we've had this character doing this for so many year, uh, years. What if we now like pushed his powers to the limit and he did this? Whereas like now the CW shows, etc., seem to be completely based on that idea of being like, oh, you know, multiple flashes, all this is happening, like time travel all the time. all that. And I'm like, Ugh, you know, I don't know if you've like lost the kind of core of the character. Um, a bit I kind of always think that like regardless of what direction you take, the flash should be absolutely balls to the wall, batshit insane. You just look at his rogues gallery for a start. Like you said, Captain Boomerang some dude who shoots, like, ice from a gun, a guy who can, like, walk through mirrors and shoot a mirror gun, whatever the hell that is. Like, <laughs> it's... Hey, don't forget the um, the telepathic gorilla. I, I would never forget Grodd. We will all, <laughs> we will all kneel before Grodd, right? <laughs> the Flash should always be balls to the wall insane. Whether it is something a bit low-key, like him just taking on the rogues, because, like individually none of the rogues can take him but together they can and that's what's always been the appeal there and the fact that they kind of have this unspoken agreement that the flash will hardly ever bother them so long as they don't kill people that was like kind of one of the big sticking points in like the cw show that was trying to show like snart's turn to good but in the comics it is more just like they have this understanding it's kind of like mutually assured destruction in a way and like it's always a great dynamic to build on. And on the flip side, you kind of want to see all the crazy speed force time changing shit. Most of all, I want Aobard Thorn the reverse flash. Because you, in my opinion, you can't have a flash franchise, whether you're doing film, TV, animated, without the just be one of the best villains in all comic book history. So. 
yeah, as as a Flash fan, I think that like if they want for the first film just to make it a bit low key, maybe he's just fighting the rogues. I'm going to be okay with that because it's going to look amazing on film. Just imagine Flash fighting Mirror Master. That in itself is an entertaining fight scene waiting to happen. But if they then in in the sequel wanted to go right now, Thorn is here. Now we're going to get some crazy speed force shit. I'm also going to be head over heels in love with that. And then if they want to do a third film called The Flash Brave and the Bold, where they bring in Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and they both do crazy things together, bring it on. Just The Flash has the potential to be like this amazing series of films with just crazy storytelling, but a lot of heart. And I am excited in that regard that we could get that. And I'm more excited post Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, so long as they do keep the core concept of making it bolster the world batshit insane, it's going to be amazing. I think it will be, because I think we are going to get this crazy Speed Force story, because if we're not, I think we would have heard by now who the villains are going to be. Um, if you are going to do um, Eobard Thorn, that's the one villain you keep the secret on. You know, you wait for that reveal or some sort of big announcement or with the trailer or something like that. Do you know what I mean? But I like the fact that it seems like they're going for this big, crazy Flashpoint adventure because, you know, maybe Michael Keaton's in it, maybe not. But we still also have Ben Affleck, who is confirmed to be in the film as well. But the fact that they haven't announced people like Gal Gadot or Jason Momoa joining it seems to me they're, they're taking the Flashpoint storyline, but they're making it more of a very focused Flash story, not focusing on the, you know, the war between the Atlanteans and the Amazons and stuff like that. So... I think we're going to get a bit of both. I think we're going to get this crazy Speed Force adventure, but it's going to be a very personal story for Barry, especially if it if he does, you know, involve, you know, going back in time and saving his mother aspect of it. That be cuz um we got we got his dad. Is his mother cast in this film? Yeah, no. We 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 yeah, reported did, on yeah. it a few weeks ago, Jake. Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I I think this could be a really good family story. Andy Muschietti I really enjoy the first It. Second one, I'm okay with. I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think it's a particularly good film either. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I'm sort of like with Annie Muschietti like I was with uh, David F. Sandberg, you know, a horror director coming on to do Shazam. I was like, let's have a look. With James Wan, I was a bit more forgiving because before Aquaman, he'd already have a proven track record of doing, um, what did he do? He did fa one of the Fast and Furious movies, and he also did Star Trek Beyond. And Star Trek Beyond. So he already had two big franchises under his belt. So I was like, that's fine if he wants to tackle the fish guy. Um, but Andy Muschietti, I am a bit more cautious on. So we'll see. But I do like him as a director. It seems cool, the approach they're going for. I do like the logo. I like the little music and stuff like that. Like you guys, not a fan of Ezra, Ezra Miller as, in the, as the Flash in the Joss Whedon cut, but then the Zack Snyder's Justice League, totally 180 on this character. Absolutely love him. And I also really want to see, because I know, Dave, you had maybe slight critiques about bringing in Kirstie Clemens, Iris West, who, because they don't really set up who she is. I hope she now, in this film, gets the spotlight and we really feel that relationship between Barry and Iris, because that is also so important to the character of Flash, is his relationship with She's Iris She's his lightning West. rod. It's exactly, it's essential. Yeah. We we are all right. The Flash. No, you you cut that shit out right now. All right, <laughs> lightning rod is fine. We just I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. 
I'm we going are to the kill Flash. You, Jay. I'm going to kill you and wear <laughs> your skin. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, though, my issue this would solve that issue. I wanted like Iris West to be like established and have like be in her own film, etc. I'm not against her as a character. It's just within that film, I didn't like get any sense of who is this character, why we're we being introduced to her, kind of thing. So yeah, bring bring her on in in this film. I'd love to see that. All right, that's DC out of the way. Let's get into Marvel then. And of course, this is the big one. This is the big story. As I said, you know, I thought, oh, we're not going to have much news. Let's have a look. And then today, the first trailer for Song Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is fucking incredible. I will just say that right off the bat. Dave, I go to you first. What do you think of this wonderful, wonderful trailer? Well, I just feel like sitting here with one of those like shamisen guitars, just like, <laughs> ding, 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 you know, like it's, it gives you such that vibe of like the Asian influences and martial arts. So, yeah, I was really excited to see this, especially because, again, we talked previously about where Black Widow had released a new trailer and we were all like oh wow this actually does look like a different film and we're really pumped for this film again but at the end of the day it was still a film that we've been advertised for the past year and as i said in that episode we've had the likes of no time to die and many other films which we just keep seeing so this was like a new trailer oh my god something we haven't seen anything barely about i don't think you know maybe again there's some a few leaked set photos but we've barely seen anything from this film so it was really refreshing in that sense, especially the fact that we had like a two minute trailer. So, yeah, I was really pumped for it. I thought that it delivered a lot more than I was expecting. And it just goes to show that the MCU is going in a really exciting direction. I said, actually, uh, when I was speaking to Stefanos on our Falcon and Winter Soldier review, we were talking about this idea of when you're bringing in more diverse characters, etc., And while it could be seen as woke, that, you know, ultimately it's a good thing that you're, we're leading to this possible new Avengers team, which will have there like Shang-Chi, Captain Marvel, you know, Sam Wilson, Captain America, you know, you're just going to look at it and go, yeah, that represents the world. That's like this diverse group of characters with all these different like cultures that they're representing, which I think is really exciting. And man, this film is really showing that it's like it's like a love letter to Chinese Asian cinema, especially in terms of like the martial arts stuff. And as you guys have mentioned, and I'm, I'm sure Tom will say it, there were certain shots or certain moments in this, which I thought I had no idea was going to come up in this. I was like, whoa, I didn't expect this from this film. And that's really impressive that they're showing all these different sort of elements of Asian cinema. And I think that it really succeeds in the sense of it being a martial arts or trailer showing Shang-Chi is that kind of character. Um, I do have some concerns, though. I, I don't think it's, like, perfect. I, I think it looks really exciting. It looks really good. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. But I do also have a, a few concerns. And, I'm again, it's just my sort of, like, businessy film-producing mind of, like, well, how well is this going to translate to people who don't know the character or have feel 
felt a bit burned out by a lot of the content which is being made, especially by Disney, to target its Asian audience as China is such a, a big place for the box office. So I am a bit concerned about that. And I also think the story of the trailer wasn't that clear. Again, usually we'll have like more of a story trailer, which will be released as like the second or third trailer. So I, I suppose I'm a bit more used to that. But I know there were people who I know who watched this and when, who's that guy? It, oh, right. He's meant to be the Mandarin. Oh, right, I didn't know that. Or, you know, so I think that there's the trailer very much bets on you knowing a lot of these and being like oh yeah you really miss the mandarin from you know that iron man 3 and oh you saw that short you know which was uh you know the king one and everything like that but i'm like well the general audiences have they been that invested in it thankfully the mcu has managed to build a billion dollar fan base so again even if they only appeal to the major fans that's probably still ant-man and wasp level of box office of like 600 million which is nothing to to sniff at so i think that that's the only thing is that i'm thinking is that will casual audiences look at this and especially with something like the poster and go oh yeah that looks really exciting really different um i'm not sure if it's like working on the level of like black panther where it looks like something like oh my god this is a must see i think action and visual wise it is but I'm not sure if there's that appeal of the character just yet um, and the, the appeal of the story, especially because I, I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't really know what the character's powers are. And I think a lot of like people over the years have been a bit unclear on what Shang-Chi's real powers are. And I'm not really sure how they're going to play into a film, especially at the like the end of the trailer. You're seeing that bus going along and you're like, what can he really do in this situation again based on his his power set but like i said i do have a few other concerns but i'll, I'll let you guys chat a bit more first as well <laughs> well dave i think you're wrong politely mm -hmm. politely <laughs> uh first of all i will say in regards to the people not jumping on board with this you could say the same about the first iron man you could say the same about black panther Guardians these of the are unknown characters Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you know what I mean? These are unknown characters that nobody has any idea who they are. Even like ded some dedicated like comic book fans. So I reckon... I don't think that really matters. I think people just want to see good superhero films and are, are hungry for new and different superhero films. I'm calling it out now. This film's going to earn a billion dollars. Absolutely. Because like you said, Dave, China... China alone, this is going to do buckets. And then if it does well in China, no doubt it's going to do well in the US and the rest of the world. So I'm super excited for this. The only one issue, I'll t say my one issue first out the way so then I can talk about all the good stuff. It's not really an issue because I want to see how it plays out. But I'm not the biggest Aquafina fan. I find some of her humor and comedy, it just doesn't gel with me a lot of the time. You know, it's some, her, she's sometimes a bit too hammy for me that it takes me out of what I'm watching. But we'll see what it's like in this film. Judging from the small little bits we did see with her, she did seem a bit more maybe refrained, maybe apart from that last bit with the bus, but hey. So apart from that, I absolutely love this trailer. I am a huge, massive fan of 70s martial arts films. Like I absolutely adore them. They were some of the films I grew up with, with Bruce Lee being one of my heroes. 
and wanting to aspire to be like him. Unfortunately, looking at me now, I didn't get, get that goal. But this film just seems to me that it just homages all that so much. It's showing so much respect to that. And that was one of the things I was cautious going into about this film because I'm a big lover of Eastern cinema. I've seen in the past that Hollywood sometimes doesn't, when they do a sort of American version of like Eastern films and stuff like that, it doesn't work well. They don't seem to get it right. And a lot of the time it's also quite insensitive to their culture. And there's an interview as well out there on Entertainment Weekly where they're talking to Simu Liu uh, about the film and stuff like that. And he says that him and Kevin Feige and the rest of the team at Marvel, they recognized that in some of the earlier comics, some of the stuff was problematic and very stereotypical of Asian culture. So I really, really appreciate that he took the time, addressed this to Kevin Feige, and I'm sure, you know, Kevin Feige's a smart man, I'm sure he knew all this stuff already, but they worked it into the story and this film to not make it offensive, to not make it stereotypical, and to bring us something fabulous, fresh, and unique to the MCU. So I really, really respect that. The visuals look fantastic. I love, again, you know me and my cyberpunk, it's got that aspect of it, but it's also got this crouching tiger hidden dragon vibe with some of the swift martial arts move there's that scene in the forest where they're like gliding through the trees and stuff but then you also have the hardcore bruce lee full hand-to-hand -hand combat which just looks incredible like the action choreography in this is just ridiculous like do you know how hard it is to do action choreography and to like keep the camera still on the same two actors actually doing these martial arts that's what made the matrix films so incredible for action because of the camera positions of these actions and it seems like they're doing that in here so that's a big plus for me i'm doing basically what dave did with uh, suicide squad i'm just checking everything that <laughs> just ticks my boxes about this film the music is incredible it's got that hip-hop element with the eastern culture vibe which i'm just totally digging and as well the cast just looks incredible and yes the Mandarin is here, the real Mandarin. And judging from as well, reading the Entertainment Weekly article, they did sort of again, move around the story of the Mandarin. Like they say that this character has gone by many names in the past. The Mandarin is just one of them. They've also said that this character who's playing the Mandarin is a new character for the MCU. Again, not taking from the comics. So I'm really intrigued to see what they're gonna do with that. Uh, and in regards to like the story and stuff, I've always felt with Marvel trailers, the first one is literally a teaser. It's showing you who these characters are, what some of their skills are, uh, and some of the visuals and action beats. The second trailer normally gives you a bit more of what the story is actually going to be. So, yeah, I'm 100% pumped for this. You know, Doctor Strange and Thor Love and Thunder, they were my most anticipated films of the MCU. This now, by miles, is my most anticipated movie or project from the MCU. And I also really like that this is a fresh, fresh character. You know, we've had WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, we're getting Black Widow. These are all characters we're, we're you know, familiar with and we've grown with them throughout the 13 years or so. I'm so excited that this is truly a fresh and new step in the MCU. So, Tom, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I went a bit long there, but... <laughs> no, that's all right, Max. I, pretty much, I, I agree with like everything you said and I disagree with a lot of what Dave said. I don't think <laughs> you need to have like knowledge of who these characters are and all that because, as, as Jake said, even a, a lot of ardent like comic book readers might not know a lot about Song Chi. Like, I only came across him because uh, Jonathan Hickman put him in the Avengers, 
and I loved him so much. I was like, I need more Song Chi content because this it, he's incredible. I, I I just think as well the trailer just looked so good, and just the action as Jake perfectly summed up, it just looks so be- brutal. Like that that last like little cut on, on the train where he does that like we like the kick jump punch and just ah. So good. I, so I just, good. I felt those punches, man. I felt like I was the one getting hit. And yeah, and just there was some like scenes in there that looked just like beautiful and really artistic, but without being artsy, if you can, you know, differentiate. And I'm low-key hoping that there's gonna be at least a sequence in Madripoor. Just cause I want to see more Madripoor. It kind of looked like Madripoor lighting. <laughs> for lack of a better description, in the trailer. And uh, the f- the first time I fell in love with Song-Chi was uh, in the Avengers comics where they go to Madripoor and he just kicks so much ass that I was like, I now need to know everything about this character. I think it makes sense, as you said, that they kind of just like amalgamate a lot of, you know, important characters to Song-Chi's history because, I mean, one of them was literally called Fu Manchu. And they, they have rejigged that in the comics, like in the same way they're doing it in the film by just saying like this man has gone by many names. I think in the film he's called like Weng Wu. In the comics, when they changed the character of Fu Manchu's name, I think they they changed it to like Zheng Zhu or something like that. So it does seem like they're kind of taking, as you said, like inspiration from that and also like the Mandarin as well. I just think it's it's shaping up to be an amazing film. And like Dave said as well, the trailer was just like, there were so many different cuts of like scenes happening. We were like, wait, we're like, is this like a full-on battle waged on horse? Like, what's this? Like, they're gliding through the trees like beautiful angels of kung fu. And then just like, uh, the, the bit that like really sold me on it though was just like the bit at the end where i think it's like aquafina's character just says like who are you and he just does that like slow pose out into like the crouching tiger pose and just like yes chef's kiss i mean chef's kiss right there. even if you don't know anything about these characters even if you're somehow someone who is like who's never watched a single mcu film even if you're someone who like on principle just hates mcu films because you want to feel good about yourself this is song fucking chi. This trailer has got me more hyped for anything Marvel has ever done. And I was already pretty damn hyped for song chi, as these guys will tell you. This this is this is just gonna be mind-blowingly good. I have no issues like saying that, and I have no issues predicting it'll break a billion dollars easy. I think even if China wasn't that thrilled on it domestically and like across the uk and europe and australia south america all that billion dollars easy and it is exciting to see a brand new character introduced to the mcu and i'm so glad they picked song chi to be that first brand new character to get a big solo film and if this is the direction the mcu is taking i am all for it and maybe maybe this will wash out the taste of iron fist and also, maybe, <laughs> just maybe, if we all wish really, really hard, Fing Fang Foom will be in Song Chi. Or we'll get a big fucking dragon. Get a big dragon that Song Chi can punch to death. Bring it on. Judging by that war scene you were on about, then that could possibly pop up. 
And like I said, I do want to be clear. I do love the look of this trailer. And I think it's it's more the like, I love like, especially the first half of it. It was just the second half had the stuff which I was like, mm, you know, I'm not sure about that quite yet. I'll see what happens. And again, it's just thinking about the overall appeal of this film and questioning its success. Because again, it's just at this stage, we just haven't got a good track record. Obviously, COVID has not helped in that sense. But the fact that like Disney's last few projects have been Raya and the Last Dragon, which had a lot of similarities visually to this. I think the aesthetics of it, they have like the different cultures, the different tribes. They've got like, you know, characters with masks and swords and, you know, like that element of, you know, magic and all that kind of stuff. We had Mulan, which wasn't like received very well at all. That had a lot of similar stuff with the kind of like wire work and, you know, flying over warriors and that kind of stuff. And and I liked Mulan and, you know, like I really love the look of Ryan the Lost Dragon. But I'm just saying that so far, general audiences don't seem to have dug it. So that's just way I'm just worried from that point of view. I, I will say I don't agree with your guys saying that they were fine with the Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther, etc. Because I think one, Black Panther is a massively more got more history within the comics um and that film very much built the success on getting the black community so invested in that and i think that this can definitely do that with the asian community but it's again china can be a bit hit and miss on whether they want to want to say yeah thanks for doing this or whether they want to turn around and go no we'll just support our own projects thank you very much so we'll see how that pans out but i think that the, the trailer for example for guardians of the galaxy told me oh right I don't know who these characters are, but I can tell straight away this is this band of misfits. They're these like kooky characters. Um, they're criminals, etc. You could tell what they were about. And I think that it's been very similar with a lot of their characters. Ant-Man even, you can kind of get a feel for that. Here, I'm still not quite sold on who Shang-Chi is as a character and what this film, this story is about. And I, you know, I agree with Jake. I'm not saying that you know future trailers could solve that. Um, but I'm just saying at first glance, a lot of people could watch this and kind of go, that looks cool. That looks awesome. But still not kind of walk away and know who Shang-Chi is, know what his powers are, etc. And for me, like that bus scene, that kind of just gave me like Captain Marvel vibes. I was kind of see- thinking, I kind of seen this before. It, it felt like the train scene in Captain Marvel to me. I'm, I'm sorry. but <laughs> And I didn't like the whole like, who are you? I just thought that that was such a cliche thing. I, I didn't like it. It might be Aquafina's performance in that moment. Saying that, I do actually like Aquafina. I, I enjoyed her in Ocean's 8. I enjoyed her in Crazy Rich Asians. I think that she's always brings a lot of charisma and a lot of humor. And like Jake, I think he is right. You know, she can be a bit jarring, but I kind of buy into it because I find her she's a bit of a Jim Carrey sort of character that she brings so much life to the roles, etc., that she kind of makes it more enjoyable. So I can understand it from there. She does seem a bit more restrained, but I did kind of love the the bus moment at the end where she sort of like smiles at the end that, that I, I did think that that was quite charming and I also love like the like the villain with the white mask like me and Jake were talking recently about Big Hero 6 and about the villain which the sort of Japanese mask he has in that I was getting like massive vibes of that with this villain the Shang-Chi seems to be fighting throughout it with the the white and the the sort of ninja aesthetic I love all of that that looks like absolutely fantastic and like Tom said like the war stuff which I'm like what's going on here I almost see that as that that could be like a prologue at the beginning, you know, like a very Lord of the Rings style. There was once a big battle sort of thing, like because I slightly push back on what you're saying that you don't get an idea of who this character is because in the trailer, you know, you get that narration by his father. He's like, I have trained you yeah. all your life. They literally you know. tell you his deal. 
Yeah, like so the yeah. so the most powerful people don't kill you. Like I've given you ten years to like live your life out in America and stuff like that. So I think you do get an idea of who this guy is from this trailer. You do you do with that, but you don't get the Mandarin stuff kind of thing. You don't like I think it's like if you were watching it in the context of like again, if somebody didn't know about that, I think that that is fine. You'd watch it and go, oh, okay, who's this like sinister character or his dad's a villain? But I don't think anybody would walk away from that and go, oh, that's yeah, the Mandarin. Again, and you know, like, but this is a teaser trailer though. Song Chi is what matters. Yeah, agree. Like, you leave leave the Mandarin for like the film or like the second trailer. Like again, Dave, I have to yeah. say this is. But a the film is trailer. called Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten. Rings, you know, this, so they very much are saying like this film is about that character, and you need look, to be invested. Look, if in we're that. gonna be, if we're gonna be talking about why perhaps Marvel didn't want to showcase too much of the Mandarin in a trailer, I direct you to Iron Man three. Well, that was the point of that though, is to subvert their expectations because he wasn't that character. Um, exactly. And now Marvel wants to stop people from thinking they're subverting expectations. They're trying to give them no expectations. Just Mandarin, bad guy. Look how awesome. Yeah. Song well, maybe that's is. just the way that the coverage has happened. A lot. I've seen a lot of like publications, or maybe just people in general going after the you know after all hail the king. We now get our true Mandarin, etc. And I'm just like, how many people actually watched all hail the king in terms of normal audiences? You can't like base your film off like, oh, remember what happened in all hail the king? It's like you know as many people seen that so again it's just that is my concern there i also have to say as well you know we were talking recently about the eternals comparison with new gods i think marvel is doing a bit of a dirty by bringing this out the week the mortal Kombat comes in because there's a freaking cage match in this trailer i'm like that is quite you <laughs> to know be fair, that's it is um simu lowe's birthday that's today. That is why they released it. Yeah. yeah. So that's just an <laughs> but unfortunate. Still, but there's no <laughs> denying that they. There's no denying that they've kind of gone like, oh, this film's coming out. Let's try and put this element into it because again, I I've never sort of known this element to be there in in the character. Again, I don't know much of a history. I'm a bit like Tom when he was introduced into the Avengers. I was like, oh, who's this guy? But uh, yeah, this the fact that they seem to be playing up this tournament element where he's in the cage and you're seeing this woman with, you know, the sort of uh i don't know what you want to call it the bandages wrapped around her fists and all that kind of stuff they're very much playing up that kind of element so i'm like i don't know if this is a good thing in that people will watch mortal kombat and if it is a success people will be like yeah give me more of that awesome if more combat doesn't do well it could actually like hinder this film so and I want more combat to succeed as people know so but I'm just I, I, I think Jake I think just Dave doesn't get it. It's Kung Fu Dave <laughs> He's the master. That's his power. He's the master of kung fu. Kung fu. Literally, that's. Uh... Yes, I know that. But again, does this trailer tell? Does the trailer tell me that? Does like you know, would somebody watch that and go, "Oh yeah, the, he's the master of kung fu"? How does the trailer not tell you that? He's literally doing kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> beat him with sticks. He's beating everyone in front of him. Come on now. It's hard to it's hard to sell somebody that like his power is he's the master of kung fu. There's nothing visual there. It's not Iron Man like oh he has a suit. Oh like oh he is picking Dave, something up. He's the master of controlling his chi. Oh. He can chi better than Iron Fist can, right? He should have been Iron Fist from the start. Yes, exactly. Me. But that is quite a trick. Like that's a tricky concept to get over just generally. I think again, so that's it's a trailer. I'm not gonna like hold it against it too much. But again, I think that the poster maybe should have had him in this kung fu stance rather than him just like standing there like, okay, what, 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 what do you want I will agree to that. And I, I will respect your opinion, but I will be laughing when we all get to see Song Chi face, like punch a dragon in the face. 
Like, I'm not I'm saying that's not going to happen. It's just, no, you'll be laughing. When, the nuts. Hey, hey, I'm not saying against any of that. I said I love all of the action stuff in it. And I love the martial arts in it. I'm like, you know, like Jake, I haven't grown up as much with Kung Fu films when I was younger, but in recent years I have, and I love that kind of stuff. I love the high wire, stupid Kill Bill, you know, uh, Crouching Tiger sort of stuff. That, you know, is really fun. So I'm glad to see that here. Again, I'm just worried about the appeal of that for like American audiences, etc. I do also just want to pick point out as well the big reason I'm excited is the cast. Like, you know, Michelle Yeoh, fantastic. Um, you know, Tony Chu, Wow Leong, who's playing Wen Yu, potentially the Mandarin, etc. He looks just badass. And also I'm really happy to see uh Florian Montianu, who's like called Razor Fist. And this guy, this guy, he was Victor Drago in Creed 2. And I'm like, and this guy was born to play Zangief in Street Fighter. So if they're doing a Street Fighter film, they need to, hopefully <laughs> this is like his like audition for Zangief in a Street Fighter film. But I, yeah, like Jake, I'm also excited for Simu Liu. I think he looks fantastic. He already immediately looks like a leading man. He looks, you know, again, he's just like... You're watching it being like, oh, here's a fresh face, here's a new face. He looks like somebody like new to the scene, but exciting. You can already tell that he's like really bringing like a powerhouse performance. And also credit to whoever's playing him as the young version. Even when like in the young version, I'm like, that kid is selling those scenes. Like when he's like getting hit with like the sticks and everything, that he looks amazing. So the casting in this film is on point. It looks amazing. And the visuals, chef's kiss, as Jake would say. Again, just the appeal of the character and everything. I'm billion dollars. About, I'm telling if you. it does billion dollars billion at the dollars. box office, I will concede to you guys and I will be happy that I can concede. <laughs> we, we'll need to come up with some sort of forfeit. Like if the film does make a billion dollars, Dave's got to, I don't know, eat an entire block of cheese whilst reciting <laughs> the works of Shakespeare or something. I have to do a bad review of The Suicide Squad. I have to like lay into it. <laughs> yeah, he has like to. A, he's yes! really hurting if it doesn't does hit it. a billion dollars... Then, as this comic shogun, Tom will commit seppaku on the show. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll commit to that, all right? I have honor, okay? It's like $999, and we're like, sorry, Tom. It's like, no. <laughs> right, uh, let's move on then to our next story uh, regarding Marvel. I know Dave is probably gleaming about this one. Alfred Molina has come out and confirmed that he will indeed be in Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm pretty sure as he was talking during this interview, there was agents at Marvel, executives all panicking, running around going, oh my God, what's he going to say? Is he going to say too much? Don't know if he should have said anything, but, <laughs> but he has come out and he, he has said, uh, this is his quote, it was wonderful, it was very interesting going back after 17 years to play the same role given that in the interviewing years, I have now two chins, a wattle, crow's feet, and a slightly dodgy lower back. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so apparently his re-entrance into this film will reportedly pick up from that final moment that we see in the river at the end of Spider-Man 2. So Dave, I'm going to go to you first. You are the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man nut of, out of all of us. What do you make of Alfred Molina's comments? Should he have spoken at all? What's going on? Oh, he absolutely should have spoken again. You know, we're in this world of like, I think it's right in which, you know, actors and certain 
situations will be like, oh, I don't know if that's happening or like, you know, yeah, I haven't heard anything. It's good to keep that secrecy. But at the same time, you know, if something's got out, it's got out for God's sake. You know, people know that they're in that film. If Jamie Foxx is there as Electro, they're not going to just have Jamie Foxx as Electro. They're, you know, they're doing the Sinister Six. So just embrace that for God's sake. Again, I think there's something like, say, uh, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin would be a fantastic surprise. And yeah, you know, keep a lid on that shit. But it was pretty much known that he was in this and i think unfortunately compared to somebody like willem dafoe you know doc ock it's, it's more the one that you want to tell people it's not that like the one you want to see and be like oh my god you know like even though it would still be a nice surprise alfred molina is more of a beloved actor but he's you know i think it'd be more one that you'd want to get people excited for uh, rather than it be like a, a big surprise i think that like the green goblin works on more on that element but just hearing this, I just have this image of like, you know, because that, you know, those films are like so embedded in my brain. I'm just imagining him just floating there at the end of Spider-Man 2, like just <laughs> his dead body. And then like, what, does a portal like appear behind him? And then he just turns around like, ooh, <laughs> like, does his dead corpse just drop into some laboratory somewhere? And he's just dead on the floor. And they're like, oh, right, shit, we, we wanted to bring the Sinister Six in. This guy's dead. <laughs> they just inject him with a bunch of stuff, bring him back to life. So I, when he says you literally pick up, I hope that he literally do because I just want to see how they managed to pull that off. If it's something like, you know, he's holding up the globe thing and then he goes, it's like, okay, you know, I'll buy into it, but I would much prefer that he's literally in the river, <laughs> dead body, and somehow then he still manages to go. And, because that would be a character arc and a half. You know, he says, we literally pick up from this character, you know, like, it'd be like Jon Snow. He was like, I was dead. <laughs> now I have to carry on life once I've, like, been reborn. Maybe uh, maybe some witchcraft will happen with the Red Woman. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm excited to see him again. I love Alfred Molina. He's one of my favorite actors. Uh, he's fantastic. I saw, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter the other day. He was doing the rounds. It was like him as Dark Ock during the film in Spider-Man 2. And he's singing if, if I Were a Rich Man from Fiddler on the Roof. And they're like clapping along the arms. And I'm like, he's such a cool guy. Like I was just like loving it. I hope he has a good moment in this. I think the Dark Ock is such a fun villain there's so many avenues you can go with him and the fact that we've only seen him once is quite a travesty to be honest but the fact that it is Alfred Molina because I've always ever since can't imagine who else would take over that role and as the Sam Raimi fan that I am again you know if these films mean that we can see all these villains return and they're not going to recast them as fucking Dane DeHaan or some <laughs> shitty person like that then all the better Oof. for it so yeah I'm excited do I uh, sense a bit of animosity towards the Mark Webb <laughs> Spider-Man films <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> uh, Tom what what do you think of Doc Ock I loved Doc Ock in spider-man 2 and i'm really excited to see alfred molina reprise the role much like dave even though like the, the spider-man 2 character was a little different to the one in the comics in the fact that you know kind of by the end of spider-man 2 he's kind of not maybe redeemed himself but he's shown like i'm still a good man at heart whereas in the comics it took a lot of shit for him to get to that point where he was like oh maybe i've been a bit of a dick but I think Alfred Molina, like, is just, he just looks the part. And just, like, those moments where he, he is just being, like, full Doc Ock villain, he is incredible. So, possibly seeing him 
well, not possibly seeing him, but definitely seeing him in the MCU, but possibly like alongside some, like, like uh, you know, with Michael Keaton's Vulture, possibly Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, Jamie Foxx's Electro, who could have a redemption in, in, in this. Like, the fact that we could be possibly getting the Sinister Six that we have been, like, teased with, since time in memoriam, it seems like every time someone says, oh, we're doing a secret, uh, a Sinister Six thing, it just falls apart completely. And just like, it just all fucks up. And just like, just give, just give me this. Let this happen. I swear, do not fuck this up, Marvel. Do not mess this up. Give me Sinister Six, please. <laughs> but I'm glad it happened in this way. Because again, I hated the Mark Webb version of like, when that guy was going through the lab at the end and they had like the wings and the, the arms in the background. I'm like, no, let these characters thrive on their own. Don't just be like, oh, you know, they, this one company has created all these villains. Have their own origins and have their own like beginnings. That's what works so well again about the rogues gallery of, of Spider-Man. It's like, you know, if somebody said, you know, Mr. Freeze, Joker, Penguin all came from the same place. It would be like, no, you know, they have their own backstories, etc. So it will be interesting to see if they, because I think the other speculated one is potentially, uh, is it Craven? And I'm like, that would be weird that you have all these established villains and then this one villain that hasn't been established. But have we got enough to fill it, though? So Mysterio, Doc Ock, Green Goblin... Vulture. Electro, did you say Electro? Well, no, 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 no. I, I, I think you're maybe adding characters that are not thing. I think we're going Vulture, um, Scorpion. Mm. Yes. Morbius. Oh, yes. Venom. Because remember, you have to remember, this is the Sony-verse, not Marvel, not the MCU. They've already, they're going to be playing around with the, their characters, and they've already got more, well, they've got Venom established, and they're doing Morbius, and we've got Morbius, you know, talking to, what's his name, Adrian Toomes, or we suspect that's Adrian Toomes anyway. Uh, I don't know. I think the Sony is trying to do their own Spider-Verse, but Kevin Feige won't let them touch it because, again, we haven't seen Tom Holland in, like, the Venom films or anything it's like not, that. It's not Marvel's choice, It though. kind of is, though, because they've got, like, creative control over the Spider-Man films. I don't think he would let them in. I honestly don't. I can't see Venom being in there. But I think, personally, anyway, I think after this film, that's it between Marvel and Sony. I think Sony are just going to do their own thing after this. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And they could still do that if they wanted to, but because Marvel still has creative control partly over this film, I don't think they would. I think they're happy to let in Electro, Doc Ock, because they're like, yeah, we'll pick and choose the bits that we like and the bits that are cool because those have gone and they're past. And they liked Jamie Foxx as Electro? <laughs> yeah, but either way, they've, they've already admitted that they're reinventing the character and he won't look the same. And they can kind of go, yeah, we can redeem this character. You can't redeem Venom and Morbius when their films are like currently playing and they are like trying to like make sequels because that's essentially taking your rival studio and going, yeah, we'll, we'll use these characters. Whereas at the moment, they're benefiting from the success of the Spider-Man films. They have no benefit from like Morbius or Venom. So I don't think that Kevin Feige wants to wants to play with that toy box to be honest so but scorpion's a good shout because he was in the the homecoming uh end yeah i don't scene. think we'll get green goblin i really don't mm, maybe sad. maybe a, um a william defoe cameo but it will be very quick but i don't think we'll have him as a villain you you know who you, who, who, you know who he'll be if they're doing multiverse stuff you know who uh, william defoe will be do you know who he'll be volko Derek castle Derek. <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've sussed the six 
member the sinister six it could easily just be that they have five of them and then green goblin shows up at some point in some sort of shot and they're like see there's the six but they're like mainly it's four or five of them <laughs> rhino at the end of amazing spider-man 2 oh god <laughs> don't give me uh paul giamatti as rhino again we don't want that <laughs> i'll i'll accept electro but no Right, so that's all the news done. We've talked extensively about Shang, uh, Song Chi, some all sorts of stuff going on at DC, as there always is. But now we're going to go back to the books that started it all. So, Tom, take us away with the weekly pull list. Well, after X-Men hit at the box office, all the studios started buying up every comic property they could get their dirty little hands on. Okay, so we have got from DC... We got, we, seeing as we were talking about it today, and because the story has been so crazy and the next issue is just insane. The Flash issue 769. Brief thing Wally West is kind of in a shitty situation. I know, shocking. When does DC ever do that to him? He's like falling through time right now, and in this issue, um, it's going to see him somehow wind up in the body of a future Flash called Impulse in the 30th century. And he's got to try and figure out why he keeps falling through time, landing in these other speedsters' bodies. Uh, you should definitely pick up the rest of this series that's been happening so far, because we have seen it revealed that Wally West caused the dinosaurs to go extinct. This is the kind of batshit insaneness I'm talking about with The Flash. So check this out. Uh, did he step on something? Is it like The Simpsons? He like beats up a dragonfly? No, he just ran so fast, he just lit the atmosphere on fire. Um, <laughs> okay. Not even kidding. <laughs> he ran so fast he plowed into a T Rex. <laughs> uh, um, and staying with DC, so my second DC pick of the week. And you're all going to be shocked by this. I've picked a Bendis thing, right? It's Justice League issue 60. Mm-hmm. Now, the only reason I'm really picking this is because this is the start of a new era on Justice League. These should always be marked. Naomi is being introduced into the Justice League, which to my mind, makes this actually kind of worth the pickup because Naomi's a very interesting character and we're going to be seeing a lot more of her in the future because didn't DC announce a film or TV series based on her? Yeah, it's it's the the quickest comic book character in history to go uh, originate in the comics and then get straightly picked up for a film. Amazing. So, yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot more of her so see her in this and also in this issue of justice league we will be getting an extra addendum at the end featuring a justice league dark story so again like justice league dark plus naomi kind of makes up for the fact that it is going to be bendis just being straight bendis he might be all right i mean as much as i complain about him he does still produce some hits there were some parts of his superman run i thought were actually quite good um, so it'll be interesting to see how this run of Justice League comes about. Moving over then to Marvel, we've got the Avengers issue 45. It's a King in Black tie-in yet again. Basically, Blade is going to have to be paying a pretty steep price. Um, he's been front and center in the war against the symbiote gods. Just like deal with that for a second. Blade versus symbiote gods. I mean... I don't need to sell this anymore. Let's move on to the next Marvel thing. Mm. Way of X issue one kicks off now with Simon Spurrier taking over duties on uh, this corner of the X-Men, well, the Hickman X-Men universe. He's pushing Nightcrawler, Pixie and Blink into the limelight in a, well, is shaping up to be quite a dark and twisted tale. Um, The main question on everyone's mind is who is the patchwork man? Well, you have to keep reading this series to find out. And whilst you're there, pick up the rest of the Reign of X um, 
titles going out like hickman has been doing wonders with the characters and i believe jerry duggan has just been announced to be leading the new like lead x-men series um whilst hickman does some other things he's got a couple of secret series is coming out possibly john romita jr coming back to marvel to work specifically on x-men so look out for that and then moving over to non-dc and marvel once again boom studios hitting it out of the park with the content recently we've got this really interesting comic which i think everyone is going to need to check out because it just sounds so insane it's called the many deaths of layla star and it's start it comes from the great minds of ram v and philippe andrande they're basically trying to explore life and death through the lens of mystical realism what is happening in this series is mankind is close to achieving immortality and so death has been pushed from its realm into the body of a mortal girl called Layla Star, and death now has to deal with its own mortality as it as a concept is being destroyed by the human search for immortality. I don't know what I it just just sounds crazy. The artwork on it looks incredible. As I said, Boom Studios have been knocking it out of the park. I mean, having Ram V on there is is it's going to, I, I urge everyone to pick up this issue. It's going to be something like really special. And I, it just sounds so batshit insane that I need it now. Um, so, yep, that's my polls for this week. So, I'll read them off again quickly. So, from DC, we've got The Flash issue 769 and Justice League issue 60. From Marvel, then we've got Way of X issue 1 and The Avengers issue 45. And then over at Boom Studios, my top, top pick of the week The Many Deaths of Layla Star issue 1. I'm quite intrigued by that many deaths of Layla Star. That sounds really, really interesting. Who's writing on that? Uh, it's Ram V, it is, um, who's done some work on Justice League Dark in the past. And uh, Philippe Andrade, who uh, I believe he's done some X-Men and some Avengers. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but as I said, the, he's doing like the artwork, and the artwork looks incredible. So I'm sold on it already. Mm. I might, yeah, that one sounds really interesting. I might pick that up. Bendis doing Justice League, maybe I'll, I, I might check out that issue and see what I think of it. Yeah, as I said, it's it's the start of a new era for Justice League, so we kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I always tend to pick up a start of a, a new era of Justice League whenever a new writer's coming on board because they're my favorite team up. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I'm definitely interested in the the many deaths one. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And while Blade against like a symbiote is like a bit like cliches or comic book stuff, it does just emphasize to me that like I am, it's kind of like with Doctor Strange, like once I've seen the film or before the film, I was like, oh yeah, you know, like this sort of like dive into the stuff with his characters because they can have so many weird and bizarre adventures, you know, they're like, oh, Doctor Strange is in space and all this kind of stuff. So the fact that uh, Mahersh Ali was on Invincible uh, in the like last two episodes it got me really pumped for Blade, like him as Blade. Like when I was watching those episodes and I was thinking about Mahesh Ali, again, another Oscar winner within the MCU, I was like, oh, he is so going to kill it as like Blade. He's such a cool actor and I can't wait for that. So yeah, Blade comics sounds like a good way to get ready for that yeah. as well. Just, just just to like quickly correct what, like because you said it was Blade versus a symbiote. It is Blade oh, versus the god of the symbiotes. Okay, just yeah. to put that in perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just I so just you said, know you know, I was generalizing. Blade against symbiotes just sounds crazy in general, but yeah, god of symbiotes even more crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been an absolutely crazy event so far. And there's nothing wrong with having more Blade. 
Well, that's what I can say. Blade needs more love. And like you, Dave, God, I can't wait for that film. Right, so that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you, Tom, for the weekly breakdown of the best comics that you can get from your stand. So, yeah, people, if you want to grab those comics, please, now that they're all open, if you can, visit your local comic book store because they need you now more than ever. Buy your books, talk to the owners, get geeky, recommend some other stuff. It's now's the time to do it. If you want to get outside, go to your local comic book store, and I'm sure they will love to welcome you in. So, everyone, thank you all for listening to this episode. We appreciate every week people coming on board and listening to us. If you're still with us after these all, after these many weeks, thank you very much because some people would say these guys are annoying. I'm bailing. But uh, let's uh, let the people know where they'd be able to find us. Dave, where can the people find you and harass you to watch these bloody Ewok movies? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently you can uh, catch... Well, you can't catch me on the Monday Lorians talking about Ewok movies, but uh, if you want to go harass me, then go guest on the Monday Lorians. <laughs> I'm sure you can uh, put secret messages into episodes, etc. Uh, you can catch me over on Twitter at David osgar uh sharing the stuff that i'm watching and just fun little things i notice throughout the day etc especially when we're in lockdown uh you can also catch me on my website freshtakehub.com and hopefully i'll have some new stuff coming out on youtube uh that being said i am now leaving the universe oh no so goodbye no. <laughs> bye dave <laughs> T- tell dominic purcell i said hi <laughs> <laughs> leaving the universe <laughs> we are the gods now uh, Tom, how about yourself? Um, you can find me just on street corners, randomly campaigning for <laughs> Cap Wolf. I will <laughs> die on this hill, damn it! Um, you can also. I wondered where that was going to go. Like, you can find me on street corners. <laughs> I am a man of many talents. Tom Jake. is actually a busker. He, you know, he he sings his songs about you know Marvel superheroes. Like, hey, hey, kids! If you slip me some money, I'll sell you some Primo comics. <laughs> wow showing my age by saying primo and ironically there (laughs) Um, but yeah you can catch me on twitter at gapperboy as per usual where we'll have lots of fun discussions about which superheroes most need to smoke the ganja and you can catch me on instagram at tgaps i think I can't remember my Instagram. I'll tweet it later. Catch me on Twitter to get my Instagram. And then you can just follow me and attack me uh, with your views. And maybe if maybe if there's any Bendis fanboys out there, come the fuck at me, bro. <laughs> I think we all know. Like I said this, man. Batman's the one that needs to chill. He's the one that would benefit the most from smoking weed. <laughs> my parents are dead! You know what? <laughs> All parents die at some point. <laughs> when you said it, I was like, that, 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 I can't imagine. You could, you could just imagine him, like, he stresses out with the Justice League so much. You can imagine just, just chilling with Superman and they're all there, like, why are we so worried He'd about like, Lex Luthor all the time? So the thing with bats is... <laughs> 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 fucking cool. Uh, and yeah, you can also find me on the socials. I'm on Twitter at Sweaty Jake, and I'm also on Letterbox at Jake Hart. So that's H A R T. And as for the show, you can also find us and follow us on Twitter at Capes Cows Masks, and we are also on Facebook at Capes Cows and Masks. And please, if you're on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple, give us a subscribe, give us a follow. 
give us a rating and a review. It all helps us go up in the rankings. And as we always say, keep expanding the family of capes, cows, and masks, and keep recommending us to all your geeky and nerdy friends. So, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. We love you. Bye-bye. We love you. You know what? I'm just going to do it. Everybody was kung fu fighting. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> ah,